mia bella Napoli, addio, addio, la tua soave immagine, chi mai, chi mai scordar potrò, per cielo azzurro fulgido, la placida marina, ma le cose non inebria, non inebria, Benvenuti and ciao ragazzi to the 17th episode of In the Shadow of Vesuvio, the only Napoli podcast in English that comes partly directly from the city of Naples. My name is Henry Bell. I am not in the shadow of Vesuvio, but my co-host Michele Borelli is literally in the shadow right now in Naples. How are you, Michele? How is Naples? Hello. Hello, Chai, Chai, everyone. Well, I mean, it's it's in the evening, so there is no shadow, really. But yeah, other than that, you know, it's raining a lot. It's raining a lot. I feel like the only day that hasn't seen any rain was actually on Sunday for the game, which was very welcome. It was very pleasurable. But other than that, yeah, it's raining a lot. I think it's, yeah, it's been raining the whole day today. And it's, it's been good. raining, yeah, every day for the past week, again, except on Sunday, which was nice because I was, I was outdoor. Exactly. And it's going to keep the pitch nice and moisturized, which is good for exciting passing football, maybe. Um, so has the weather been so bad you haven't been able to get out on the boat? Because the last time we spoke, or was it the time before? I can't remember now. That it was difficult. Have you been out on the seas? No, it's been raining oh, too much. Uh, right. no. Yeah, I know, but it's risky. And then I can go whenever I want. So I was thinking, you know, might as well postpone. And then, you so, know, like, the end of summer, you know, Napoli in September is quite enjoyable. Quite enjoyable. And right now, everything is more expensive. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really like August, to be honest. It's, uh, it's like the Saturday night of the, of the year. And I, t- I tend to avoid, you know, like when stuff is too crowded, <laughs> restaurants are full. You know, I, 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 I'd rather stay home on Saturday night and then go out maybe on Friday or on Monday, if it's possible. It's such a, such a hipster, Michaela. I mean, yeah. I love it. That's so true. It is the Saturday night. Um, so, you know, you haven't taken to the seas yet. I mean, I do have to say that the idea, I've never been to Naples in September. I need to correct this soon. Um, but you're just going to have to take to the seas when, whenever you want to. So this is number 17. So what? let's not talk about hypothetical sailing. Um <laughs> Let's talk about the Napoli Tombola. What is number 17, Michele? Number 17 is unfortunately, and I hope it's not a bad sign, also because we have a big game ahead. But number 17, as, and as most of you might know, because it's a very famous number, is, means bad luck. So 17 is bad luck. And it's also obviously Marekamsik's number. But yeah, when, when he got the 17, it was quite, I remember that the, the general reaction was, oh, wow, he's getting the unlucky number. Maybe it's, gonna be, it's not going to be too good for him, but actually, no. It was extremely good for Amzik, obviously. And um, so what, what is that in Neapolitan? So what, what's the actual, what's the words that they use for 17? 17 is a disgrazia. Ah, oh, I love it, a disgrazia. Yeah. Was that all right? That was okay-ish. Yeah, yeah, it was good. And we won the UEFA Cup in 1989 on the 17th of May, I believe. Nice. 
Oh, oh was yeah. it the second Scudetto? We definitely won one of the big trophies in the Maradona era on the 17th of May, which also happens to be my birthday. Wow. So, listeners, make a note of it. You can start saving up now and feel free to send expensive, lavish gifts to me at Shadow of Vesuvio Towers. We haven't got our own offices yet, Michaela, but like, do you think that, you know, Shadow of Vesuvio offices will open in Naples before? SSC Napoli offices do, do you think? Yeah, we're going to have our own skyscraper in the, okay. in the historic center. Ah, yeah. I've never got on with this the historics. I don't know anyone listening. Whenever I've been to Naples, I basically, I just got my head down and headed to the Caravaggio as quickly as possible and just got very... So I think I need to visit like in like November or something like that. Presumably around that time, it's not as crazy. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. Me... April and September are, I would say, probably the best times to visit Napoli. May, especially May. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's a great time. It's not too hot. The days are long, you know, so, yeah, no, it's perfect. It's perfect and stuff doesn't cost too much. And it's warm enough to be able to enjoy the sea, the boat, the, the beach or whatever you want. But it's not too hot. So, no, it's very enjoyable. Then, obviously, uh, July, August, it's it's becomes unbearable but we can i suppose we can discuss the location of our offices perhaps at a later date but it's good that we got we got some ideas that we're kind of spitballing at the moment what anything going on in in naples of interest outside of football at the moment or are we all focused on the fantastic no, start to the season no, no everything everything is closed here everything yeah, is closed yeah, everyone yeah. is on holiday and yeah no it's 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 a little bit of a ghost town at least on some places but there are a lot of tourists yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quite sorry for them because then again, I mean, I'm finding they're gonna find everything closed. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I kind of enjoy it in a way, you know. Strolling the streets on your own, the streets are yours. So, um, okay, well, let's let's talk, let's talk football. So this is, as you mentioned before, we are recording this a bit later on in the day. This is late night Napoli for us. Um, we're fresh from our chain. In fact, actually, what did you have? What did you have? Come on, paint, paint the picture, McKelly. What was, what was, what was dinner tonight? In, no, in there was for you. No, there was a very sad dinner. A very sad dinner. I've had a fantastic dinner in like two days ago. I went to this restaurant in Pompeii. I think it's becoming my favorite restaurant, actually. Okay. Because every time, like everything on their menu, I like, which is very rare, very very rare. I'm not I'm not too difficult on you know on food and tastes, but still, you know, I, I literally like everything on their menu. And it's not a short menu. And it's beautiful. It's a steakhouse, but it's uh it's also you know also make pasta, they make panini. And it's amazing, amazing. What's the name of this place? What's the name? Let's give it a plan. Mercato Mercato Pompeiano. Mercato it's, it's, Pompeiano. Yeah, it's very close to the, you know, like the big square in front of the cathedral of Pompeii. It's amazing. Honestly, it's amazing. I've had a beautiful, uh, rare steak and I had a, a croquet, which I think is the best croquet I've ever had. It's so good. You can't so be good. a good croquet. It's an underrated uh, side, a compliment to something. Uh, yes. It was amazing. It was amazing. Love it. Okay. Well, that has, I think we painted the picture. I think we're feeling like we're in, we're in the city with you or we're in, we're in Pompeii with you. So, you were there, first home game of the season on Sunday, which Napoli beat 
the uh, mega club that is Monza, 4-0, you were in Curva B, presumably, for this game, as per usual. Yes. Oh, Uh, obviously, yes. So, first of all, it was pretty full, the stadium, right? The stadium was pretty full, but not too full. I read I read around that people were um, were convinced that the stadium was sold out. I think I think one of the you know Napoli portals, Napoli websites, uh, news website made a, made an article. They made up the fact that the stadium would be sold out, and everyone followed. Everyone read that article and said, "Ah, you know." So everyone basically repeated each other, but that was not the case. I said like four or five days before the the game, I said that the attendance would have been thirty five thousand. And I think it was, it was about, yeah, it was maybe like 30, 32, something like that. Napoli doesn't release the attendance numbers for some reason. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a difficult ticket sale because Napoli has changed a few things uh, like they like to do. So yeah, they gave us like a three hours notice to start the ticket sale. And then for some reason, they didn't sell the lower level. So the reason why we didn't do, we didn't have a sold out this game was that the lower levels of the stadiums were closed and that is okay. something I'm, I really feel strongly about because I've been saying for like a decade Napoli sell the lower levels of the stadium at a cheaper price because and not everyone knows that because a lot of people make the assumption that the lower level are better but that's not mm. true the lower no. levels of the San Paolo Maradona are actually worse the, the view from there is a bit worse because obviously we have a running track around the pitch. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the distance between the first row and the pitch is about like 20 meters. And if you are at the ground level, at the pitch level, so in the lower level of the stadium, then you have no depth perspection at all. You can't see what's happening on the other side of the pitch, especially if you go to lower curva, you know, it's really the view is. I mean, you can still see the game, obviously, but the view is not. It's not the best. Let's say you know, it's not as good as the upper levels. So yep. what happened last season, towards the end of last season, was that Napoli finally. So they had there were problems with Ultras. I don't know if you guys remember that, but Ultras at the stadium, kind of boycotted the <laughs> the stadium for a while, for a few months. Yep. Because of a protest against the club, which I think was was just. To be honest, so fortunately, they had a meeting with the police and the club, and uh, yeah, fortunately, they they came to an agreement. Basically, the club, I mean, okay, what the club said was, we don't want we don't want uh, people to sit in the wrong seat. So, because in curva, in the curva, basically, it, the seating is free seating. So you go and you sit wherever you want. It's always been like that since forever. And this also helps, obviously, people to support. You know, it helps uh, the ultras groups to sit together and support the the team in the middle of the curva, which everyone likes and everyone wants, right? So sure. the club decided at one point that they didn't like that. Uh, the Laurentiis has ever has always, uh, let's say, I mean, I don't want to say hated, but I think that's that's the case. Let's say that the ultras and the Laurentiis don't get along. Let's say that. So the I don't think that's one... very controversial, Michele. Okay, no, that's not. Right on that yeah, that's not controversial. So yeah, at one point, the Lionel said, "Okay, you know what? You know what's new? I'm gonna punish whoever sits in the wrong seat. So if you don't sit in the seat that the ticket says, then I'm gonna fine you." 
So that made made it impossible for trust to aggregate and 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 support the the team. So for a few months, the ultras uh, went on a protest. Basically, it was an ultra strike. They didn't get in the stadium for many many months. Collective action and, was the collective, yeah, collective action, action successful. Was it successful? Yeah, it was successful. Fortunately. Because join a union, everyone listening. Join a union. <laughs> yeah, no. In those months, honestly, man, it was it was um, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like the stadium was like a church, you know. Like everyone was silent, and there were like a few chants from you know normal fans, but they didn't last long, and they were very confused, and it was really bad. You know, I didn't really have fun in those months at the stadium. So fortunately, and, and you after saw, a while... You saw people on Twitter as well being like, why is it so quiet? And all yeah, I had to, yeah. Mixture, yeah. yeah I, had to, I had to explain stuff a lot, but it was actually a long story. Mm. So yeah, no, after a while, fortunately, uh, you know, like people, you know, a few articles actually started to pop up on, on, on newspapers and the, the club said, oh, but it's not us. It's not us who's doing this. It's the police because the police is actually finding the fans. Which is true, but the police said the head of the police was asked about this, and he said, uh, "But it's not us; it's the club. <laughs> it's the club. It's the club who asked us to do that." So, so I think I think the truth was that it's true that the police enforces it because that's the truth. But it was the club, you know. The police always turned a blind eye towards this kind of uh, this kind of behavior. Good. So yeah, the club yeah. said, you know, like we these are the rules. I don't want the rules to be enforced. And, the, and if the police is asked to do their job, they have to do it. They they, they can turn the, a blind eye to that. So yeah, there was it was mostly the club. So after a while, the strike ended. The club said, "Okay, whatever, uh, you can do whatever you want." And uh, I think <laughs> as as a part of this deal, there was the um, basically. I think I don't know if the ultras pu- uh, pushed for it, but when the ultras came back. Uh, the Laurentis and the club started to sell the lower levels of the stadium at a cheaper price. And you remember that because this was in uh, March, March and April last season. The reason why I say that you should remember that it was because after Napoli did that, so they finally started selling the lower levels and at a cheaper price, the stadium sold out. I was about to say, yeah, exactly. That is when we had those sellout amazing exactly, atmospheres. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The stadium said this, and that if, if you actually follow Napoli, you would know how rare that is. It's mm. very, very rare. Napoli sells out only for like Napoli Juventus, like once a year. Not even the big Champions League games sell out. Weren't they super, remember, like, super even... cheap as well? The lower curve was it like ten euros, fifteen euros? Or so it wasn't very much. So I think what they did was they increased the price of the upper curva a little bit and they decreased obviously the, the, the price of the lower curva. So the lower curva costed about 10 to 15 euros per game and the upper curva about like 25, 30. And this made everyone happy because a lot of people, I know it sounds strange, but a lot of people can't afford 30 euros. Well, we talked stadium. about this last week, and we, yeah, I was, exactly. was going to look it up, actually, what, what the difference is between average income in Napoli versus Milan, for example. But there is there is a big difference. In fact, I was reading yes. uh, Gazzetta dello Sport a couple of days ago, and there was a full page advert that, that Inter had put in advertising 10 euro tickets for the Cremonese game and, I think, another game. And I thought, if fucking Inter can do that, then we can do that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. We did 30, the lowest price for the Monza and the Lecce game is 30 euros. 
but they and did you know, release the lower curve eventually or is that not true they, so what they're doing mind? now they went back to their old ways so what they were doing before as well was they only open sales for the lower levels of the stadium when the upper levels of the stadium are finished are sold out so that's that's what they do and uh, i've always i think that's not a wise choice i don't think that's the way to go that's what they did for for the monza game and that's why the stadium wasn't wasn't full the stadium was uh like they sold a bit like a few tickets for lower curva b and they sold a few tickets for this team t lower and that's it so and everyone the, watching on tv mostly sees a few people dotted around in seats and it doesn't yeah. quite and they also they always get the sound mix really wrong so you can't quite but i have to say the atmosphere did sound really good so this was a wonderful departure, Mikael. It's always good to get this detail. I think there'll be a lot of people listening who like have light bulbs going off in their head now and going like, ah, this kind of makes sense. So pre-match, what was the atmosphere like? So we're coming into this, what, 5 for off of 5-2 victory against Verona, our, our old friends, Verona, <laughs> um, who got fined a whopping 12,000 euros for the chance that they decided to put towards us. Um, they, they will teach them, yeah. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Um, when will the league sort this out? That's a different podcast. But um, were you in your usual spot in the, in the bar uh, that you usually are at? Yes. Giving out tickets? Well, yeah, go yeah. on. Give give the bar a plug because it's a great place. I enjoy being there muchly. The, the, the bar's name is called uh, Kalishi E, which is a strange okay. name. You know, I don't think they're very good with, you know, with branding and marketing, unfortunately. <laughs> It doesn't even have the name outside the bar, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of people struggle to find me because it's like, okay, but where is this place? But, you oh, know, they lost. are, they're friends of friends and they, they're quite nice no, people. It's a great, it's a great place. So, so you were there before pregame, usually they've walked for like three, four hours beforehand. So what was the sort of atmosphere that you were picking up on from, from Tifosi, from, from fans? Any, was... any, anything memorable? Was there an excitement or was there a kind of a nervousness? What, how would you define it? No, you know, the first game of the season is always exciting. Um, what I noticed, I mean, I was outside the stadium until kickoff, unfortunately, because, as you know, I have to wait for people to come and pick up their tickets. So, yeah. Time was... upon time, people. Let Michaela see the beginning of the game. Yeah, no, the it's games. fine. No, it's fine. Every, every, like, there is a, always at least one group or one person who's, who, you know, would, who doesn't expect the trains to be this bad in Napoli. That's true. So they, yeah, so they live with optimistic views about the world and they think, oh, yeah, sure, the trains are going to be <laughs> like... frequent and on time, which is never the case. No matter how much I tell them, you know, expect public transport to be bad, they will always, always underestimate my warnings and they will, the, at least one person will always be late, but it's fine, it's okay. So, so anyway, you were hanging out for hours, and so yeah, no. What that, what, what happened was that the stadium got uh, got full very quickly. So as I said, the the upper level of the stadium were all sold out, uh, kind of. I mean, Napoli has been a little bit weird with ticket sales as well because they've been selling season tickets and single game tickets at the same time, which yeah, yeah, to me way, yeah. doesn't make any sense. And yeah, so they released like like. A number of Monza tickets uh, every every two or three days. So the stadium wasn't like totally full up there, but it was like ninety five percent full, which is about like twenty eight thousand seats. So yeah, so it was about thirty thousand. And yeah, uh, I had some friends go to Curva B like one hour before kickoff, and they told me that the Curva was already full. 
So that's, nice. uh, yeah, that's uh, not rare because people, when they go to Curva, they like to be there like at least one hour, one hour and a half before kickoff there. Because as I said, it's free seating. It's first come, first serve. Yep. And uh, yeah, so uh, that so, was nice. And uh, yeah, there were a lot of people around the, the stadium. It, was, it wasn't too hot, fortunately, on, on Sunday. And uh, yeah, I I was outside the bar and I heard the ultra the Curva Ultras marching and chanting on their way towards Curva A. And uh, yeah, I was able to hear some anti Laurentis chants. So that that hasn't changed miraculously. The, no, the, no, the no, 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 no. Spike in Mercato activity hasn't led to no. But that's uh, always that's always the case. Then what what they usually do is they stop chanting against the club and against the Laurentis when the game starts. So yep. they actually act actively support the club and the team and the players obviously during the game but there's there is any protesting to do they do it before so yeah, yeah. That, that was totally normal to me and it was fun <laughs> but yeah other than that it was it was I, I think it was very exciting you know it's uh again uh the game against verona helped to uh raise expectations and uh, yeah people had uh People wanted to have fun against Monza, you know. Uh, we knew that the Monza game would have been, let's say, not too hard to win. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was obviously the first home game, so a lot of a lot of new players, uh, people wanted to see Kim, but people have, were very interested in uh, Kvartzelia. I yes. don't even know if I'm saying it correctly. But I think it sounds right to me. And I, well, I want to talk about him in, in a second. Uh, so you reckon Kim... Kavadakselia, who, who, anyone else that people were sort of itching to see on the pitch? No, the usual. I think the usual. You know, like I, I think a lot of there was a lot of pressure on Meret because Meret mm. was obviously, you know, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with him, and uh, I think this guy is now in a place where every mistake is is not uh, forgotten un- nor forgiven. Under the microscope, isn't it? Exactly. Like if exactly. he sneezes in the wrong way, people are going to notice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But he had a, he had a clean game. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, there wasn't much to do, but he had a clean game, so that was fine. Yeah, and he not, didn't yeah. do anything horrendous. Okay, so and yeah, I think that's. I mean, I find it as you know, I've bored people with my my theatrical past on this podcast before, but I do find it really interesting about how the the atmosphere of an audience can affect what's going on on stage, and I think the same thing can also well obviously is hugely true of a football stadium and a crowd and i don't know michele it's really interesting to say that people wanted to have fun against monza and i'm sure everyone listening is thinking that game was fun like it was fun on the pitch it was confident you could see players who in the past perhaps have been guilty of slightly neurotic personalities i'm thinking of petrol Zelinsky, who is you know part footballer part troubled existential philosopher from you know he's, i can imagine him in a sort of coffee bar in continental europe in the 1950s sort of with a with a mentholated cigarette and a and a, a black polo neck jumper sort of worrying about things he played as if he had a, the freedom of the world again and i was, i talked about it a bit last week but i think he had an even better game than he did against verona so was the sense of fun and that obviously rubbed off and let's talk about him now I mean, what a performance. What was it like watching him in the stadium? Did you, could you see anything? Did you have a decent spot? I don't know how it actually works. Um, let's focus on what he's like to see in the flesh on the pitch. Everyone's talking about him. Two pages in the middle of Gazetta today. 
he's the focus not just from Napoli fans now, but of really the whole league and the Italian media. What was it like to see him in the flesh, Michele? It was amazing. He's very flamboyant, let's say, you know, when, when in his style of play. It's very nice to see. It reminds me a bit of, they're different, they're quite different, but in that way, you know, in the way that he plays, which is very fun to see as well, it reminds me of Lavezzi a little bit. Obviously, so they're, right. they're so very different players. I want you to stop players. on this, I want to explain, expand on this, because I did another podcast this week from N to A, please do check out everybody, and with Kirsten Schluitz, wonderful Napoli brain and we were talking about Man City versus Napoli the 1-1 and I watched the whole match and I I kept thinking that Lavezzi is I was thinking Michele is always right about these things he is really similar I think to Kovarak Shilia and there's the, the, if you, you were there with your dad watching that match in 2011 can you remember when Lavezzi hit the bar in that yeah. game in the first yeah. half really similar to Kovarak um, I'm really destroying his name, right? I do apologize. But his first goal was almost like that chance from 2011, but one that actually went in the goal. So so I think the Lavezzi comparison is totally legit. Cool. So it's flamboyant, Lavezzi esque. What else? It was amazing, you know. And when he scored, obviously he scored like it's so fun to think that he had so much expectation, you know, on him for the game and honestly for the season. And he delivered a hundred percent, you know, that's very rare. I feel like that's very rare, you know, because in Napoli, we are very easily excited. So when one new player has a good game, obviously we start to think, you know, Cavaradona is the best player ever. And uh, yeah, people went to the stadium with the expectation and with the hope, obviously, that he would deliver, you know, he would have a great game, great goals, and he did a hundred percent. It's amazing, you know. Like when he scored the first goal, I saw people with the, you know, with the, with their hands in the, on their head and uh, in their hair, and it was like desperate and looking at each other, hugging. It was like, what the, what the hell did we just see? Because it was, it was, was it was great. Footage. Did you did you see the Stuart, the guy in the, in the bib that was near the goal? Did, did you see this this picture when the goal went in? And his his hand, he was just complete shot, completely forgot what his job was. Yeah, there was there was all of us. Incredible. There was all of us, and I was in a very good spot to see that that goal because I was in Curva B and the goal was scored in Curva B, and I was right on the side of that post, so the left post. And it was it was really amazing, you know, like seeing the ball the ball curl like all the way towards the post and then go in it was it was great. It was a great goal, much needed. Because yeah, we were playing well, but still, you know, 30 minutes in. You never know how this how these games can go. It's uh, if you don't if you don't score early, then obviously the away side, especially if it's a bad side, they gain confidence. And uh, they start to close themselves in the box, and it becomes harder and harder and harder to to score against them. So it was a key goal. It was very important, and uh, we know how much we struggle against small teams, because yeah, I mean we must win against Verona and Monza. But let's not forget that last year we lost against Spezia and Empoli yeah. at home, yeah. and against many more. Yeah, Preach. against Spartak Moscow and many, many more. Uh... 100%, 100%. And we've yeah. seen other clubs look at Juve Merda yesterday, um, drawing against uh, Sampdoria 0 0. 
for the, for some reason i watched some of it i i will just i will never have that part of my life back and i regret it hugely so yeah absolutely um so it sounds really fun in Cordova B. So the kind of the guy that everyone's there to watch scores an incredible goal early on ish. And then, I mean, presumably you couldn't see the second goal as well because that was at the other end in the second half. But I mean, what was that like to see? It's like a different approach, but almost as satisfying. I didn't see the dribble. So I couldn't, <laughs> I wasn't able to see the dribble, but it was. I mean, it was it was a great goal. You know, it's again scoring a brace in your first home game, in your first real like like game. Honestly, to be honest, at home because let's be honest. I mean, he played in in Georgia, so coming from Georgia I and mean, Russia as well, but coming from Georgia to Serie A and scoring and and being so important, so decisive to your team and to the score. It's it's honestly, I don't want. To, I don't want to be hoping too much because I don't want to I don't want to put too much expectations on the guy but honestly honestly it was great it was great it was amazing and and yeah it's going to be now it's going to be now it's going to be a shit show because everyone in Napoli you know <laughs> we are going to first of all we have to start to pronounce his game correctly because I feel we're going to shout his name a lot man it was so fun when he scored the first game and I was like, oh, here we go. And now, you know, obviously David Chevalvelini, yeah, we're for Napoli with the number 77 scored Kvicha and then <laughs> 35,000 people shouting his surname. Every, I think, I think each person, each of the 35,000 pronounced his name in a different way. It was so, it was such a, such a mess. There's so yeah, a, it's gonna be fun. Piece of uh, Renaissance music by the English composer Thomas Tallis called "Spermin Allium," which has, I think, forty-eight part harmony. All different people singing at the same point. Nothing in comparison to the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona saying <laughs> in shouting, shouting, "Quarantena!" six or seven times but and you know yeah. what's i mean i think it's great no player has scored three goals in the first two games for napoli in Serie A. um only only he has done that um so whatever happens after this he's he's you know done something significant you know what i thought today well, i didn't think i saw an interview with somebody in italian that i couldn't quite read but um and understand but it's all making sense that you know Spalletti's won what two titles in in Russia. Like he knows that league really well, and that's where Kvaratskhelia um, comes from. And I think that's good. That has made a big difference. I think that he's come in, and if your Mister knows the league, I mean, I'm sure Spalletti's not fluent in Russian, but he knows, um, or not fluent in Georgian as well. But he like he knows the, the sort of football that he, that that he's been playing. So. That's one of the reasons I think perhaps he's fitted in so quickly. Um, anyway, it's just great to hear that people in the stadium just had so much fun. How about Ossiman? I really enjoyed his goal. You were behind the goal for his goal, right? Because that was in the first yeah. half. Um, great goal. And we were talking last week that he didn't have a great game against Verena-ish. He's a fine game, and he came away with a goal and assist. I thought he was much better in this game watching all the TV. Was it something that you picked up on, that he had more of an all-round 
sort of contributions to the game or he had a he had a good goal, but I didn't really like what he did on, on the pitch. Before that goal, he had he missed a lot of like key passes, and you can see that very well from the stadium because you can see like all the players, all the team. And yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it was very confused. It was he had a very confusing game and up until the goal, but even even later. I mean, after the goal, after the goal, obviously, especially after Cavaracelli a goal, uh, everything became easier for for the team. But before that, I, you know, it was. I think he was playing very, uh, in a very chaotic way, and yeah. uh, it was very alone as well. I don't like when Nasiman does that. He does that quite often, and obviously, it's still good for us because I mean, now it's it's twice that I say that he has he's had a not great game and he scored twice as well. Yeah, so, so imagine yeah, I mean, what it's like I, when he when he does have a good game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just like what I, what I'm saying is. He can improve a lot. He has a very, very big potential. He can improve on a lot of things. He's not a good passer at all. I think he's often out of the out of the game a little bit, uh, often on on offside as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's quite clear. But I like that he's he has a lot of passion for the game. Oh, yeah. He's a little bit yeah, he's a little bit hot headed, but like he's very intense. Let's but see. he was getting involved with singing uh, Jordan Improviso, wasn't he? With the yeah, with yeah, the, yeah, it was. Yeah, there was, there was, yeah, there was, there was, there was a lot of fun. He was working with Angisa, and uh, who had an amazing behind. game, didn't he? Angisa, like yeah, 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 true. I think Dombele is going to have a job getting into this midfield. Yeah, I think that the the place to keep an eye on, don't you reckon, Michele, over the next few games is the space between the midfield and Osimhen. Like if if that gap increases. I'm going to start to worry. I think Zelinsky's good start to the season has helped because I think he's the, he's kind of the link in that in that space. Um, but I think there needs to be some work between those two about how they communicate with each other. I think Zelinsky, from what I could see on TV, was communicating much better with his fellow midfield like Lobotka and Ongisa. I thought that as a trio worked really well. The final sort of piece of jigsaw for me is how. Zilu communicates with Ossiman and those in that sort of space between the midfield and the attack. And the, the smaller that gap can be, I think the more dangerous Napoli will be against the harder teams to play against, I think. Definitely. Uh, um, oh, sorry, a bit of football there. Sorry, everybody. We will get <laughs> back to talking about uh, things. So last point of the game before we quickly think about the next one is... Kim, he seems to have fitted in quite well already and sort of slightly entered the hearts of the people of Naples. How do people react to him scoring? It was nice. I know it was late in the game, but did you notice a sort of spike in interest or was it a bit like Cavalazzelia, but not quite as much? Or what was it? How do people react to Kim scoring? Kim was great. Kim was great. I think he was very solid. He, I, I, for a few, like for like 10, 15 minutes, I only watched him because I wanted, I mean, we were, we were winning 3 0. So I wanted to like focus on other things other than the game because obviously the game was, was closed. So I watched the new players and especially Kim for a while. And that was because I was thinking, you know, it's very hard to replace Kulibali, especially tactically because Koulibaly was the leader of the of the defense you know like he yeah. dictated when the line defensive line would go up would go down he basically directed the the, the rest of the defense who can forget the the time i think we all saw it the video where i don't remember the opponent but it was Koulibaly 
literally pushing Rui uh, towards an opponent because Rui was basically like tactically in the wrong position. And uh, Koulibaly, I think, was against PSG. Maybe I don't want to. I don't want to say anything. But yeah, no, it's uh, that's that's the kind of player Koulibaly was. You know, like he wasn't afraid to act physically remove players. Uh, yeah. teammates from their wrong position and uh, just sure literally push them yeah, uh, towards the opponents if that was the case. So Kim, Kim has to do that now because Ramani, I don't think, is a leader. No, he's very good, Ramani, but he's not a leader. Yeah, yeah Kamani, Ramani, Ramani is good, but he's, he, needs, he needs someone solid next to him because he, he alone is uh, not great, let's say. And uh, yeah, so I was so you looking did a proper at Kim. I was 10, 15 minute view on Kim. That's yeah, great. it was great. It was great. You know, like he was actually directing the line. He was very, very careful. And it's easy to, you know, it's easy to kind of like give up and think about something else when you're winning 3 0 against a newly promoted club. But they were not. They were very focused. I was watching the, the defensive line also because in the second half, I was. Again, in Curva B, so obviously I had the Napoli's defense in front of me. I couldn't see the attacking phase. I could only see the defensive phase. So I focused yeah. on that. And uh, yeah, they were very careful. You know, like they were going up and down uh, all together at the same time, which is important because if you don't do it as a team, then, you know, the offside trap doesn't work and uh, it's very easy. Again, we had Petagna uh, in front of us. Which, yeah, I mean, you know, like it's not best player ever we know that but he's still dangerous so he, he knows what the goal is he's had a good season for Spal. he did all right for us last season when he was called upon he tended to do something yeah. um and that bodes well actually ahead of the next game against fiorentina which is going to be more of a challenge obviously um they've been a bit hot and cold but i think the Verona game was a little bit worrying from a defensive perspective, obviously to concede twice against them, but that's really good to hear that there's that, that organization, which is exactly, exactly what we need. Nice. So there you go. That's a little bit of like in stadium analysis. This is, you know, show me anywhere, anywhere else that does this. <laughs> I, I'd like that. Um, although we do love the other podcasts on the far from Vesuvius network. So do make sure I really enjoyed the Napoli rant this week. Although um, dear Rafa Rispo is on holiday. Um, I hope you're having a nice holiday, Rafa. Anyway. Okay. So before we uh, wrap things up and talk about our Neapolitan expression of the week, we have another question from a listener. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Isn't it great when people send us what they think? Okay, Absolutely. Like, yeah, I love it. Um, and this is from at JoeyBats23 on Twitter. And we're going to listen to his question now. Hi, my name's Joe. I'm from Tampa, Florida. And I have a question for Michele um, on the best way to go about buying away tickets. I'm going to be in Rome for the Lazio-Napoli match. On September 3rd, and I just want to know if there's any low-key spots to hang out before the match without standing out as a supporting Napoli fan. I'm a client of Ralph's, and he put me onto the podcast, and I was just wondering if you guys would answer these questions. Okay, great question. I think we can help you more with the first half than the second half of that question. So, Michele. The question was directed towards you. I'm sure I'll be flooded with questions about Elizabethan theatre in the future. 
but you know, <laughs> um, away tickets and Napoli. In fact, the first DM I ever sent you was about away tickets to go and see Napoli in Milan many, many moons ago. But so what, what's your advice to everybody? Good question, oh, by the way. Yeah, good question. Thank you. Um, obviously, if you have any ticketing question, you can also DM me. Some questions are very specific and no one, like not everyone is obviously wants to hear how to, you know, what square to visit in Cremona or something like that. So, uh, but the question, the question applies because away tickets are uh, kind of weird in Italy, unfortunately. So I'm going to speak broadly about away tickets because uh, what I'm going to say about the Lazio Napoli away tickets applies to almost all games, almost all away games. So, um, unfortunately, Napoli, uh, Napoli's away, t- uh, away games and away tickets are very uh, restricted. So unfortunately, uh, it's not easy to go to the away section for Napoli's away games. Uh, this is something the police decides. So this is not something the club, the, the, our opponents, the, club, the home team uh, decides. So there are a few problems about that. The first problem is that obviously the police, the police in Italy has an approach of um, basically they tend to avoid policing these events. And the way they do that, they achieve that is by preventing the, a lot of fans, the most fans to actually attend the game. So there is what? nothing to police if no one is at the stadium, basically. That's their approach. So instead mm-hmm. of actually making things safe and secure for away fans and the home fans alike, they basically prevent a lot of people from going to the, to, to the games, to the away games. So the way they do that is basically they say, if, it, if it's good, so if it's... Okay, you need to have um, Napoli's uh, fan card in order to purchase uh, away tickets. Which and is, how, does one, how does one get a Napoli fan card? Uh, very, not easily. But you can do it on the Ticket One's website. But yeah, it costs 30 euros, even more if you want to ship it abroad. And it's, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's called Napoli's fan card. It's a loyalty card. But in reality, it was actually created, invented, and uh, imposed by the government. So it's a government card, which uh, every team has to have. And, uh, and so, so not- that's like step one, is it to go to an away game? For, for Napoli is you need the Napoli fan card and you go to what was that place called again Ticket 1 Ticket 1 yeah Ticket 1 so it's okay. not always the case so sometimes sometimes you don't need a card especially if you're not from Italy uh, for a few games you don't you don't actually need the card um, for other games not even the card is enough so for example last year I went to Rome because I wanted to I, I had to meet some friends there and I also, obviously, I was in Rome and I wanted to watch Roma Napoli because it was the same, the same weekend and I couldn't go. Like, there was no way for me to legally purchase a ticket because even though I had a fan card, I was, you know, I never, I never had, I never committed any crimes or anything of the sort. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, if you are from Napoli, then you are not allowed to buy tickets. For, yeah, I couldn't for believe games. this. I just thought, I mean, it's so... That's it's actually against yeah. the 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 constitution or whatever. On, yeah, I don't know human human rights. But again, that's another podcast. So basically, what you're saying to um, to Joe is like, 
you have to kind of do your research and maybe drop your DM about about like the exact situation in Lazio. Presumably not being from Italy probably helps people a bit because sometimes the pro- they yeah. deny where you're from because of the region. But getting if you're thinking of coming to a few away games or like you're going to be regularly going to away games, getting a fan card probably is a good idea, would you say, Michele? I would say yes, but yeah, this obviously that doesn't guarantee that you're going to be able to find tickets and it doesn't guarantee that you're going to be allowed to to get the tickets but usually because sometimes they close the away section of together to make things uh, you know safer for away fans <laughs> there is nothing safer for away fans than not going to the game and staying at home basically yeah. that's what the police believes this so is that's how they do their job you know if yeah, a that's... tree falls on an away fan that isn't there and nobody sees it does it need policing anyway um i think that answers the question i mean i think the answer to the question is it's complicated but i think you've done a good job there michaeli of kind of demystifying some of it and again one of the great things that, that one of the great services you do to our community michaeli is to is to answer these things and and maybe one day when your mythical website has has been finished some of these things can be can be on there too so Again, anyone listening, you've got any questions, it can be about the club, it can be about coming to see games, it can be about, um, you know, the different versions of King Lear, whether you're into the Corto or the Folio. It can be about anything. Just follow us on our Twitter account at Shadow of Vesuvio. Drop us a DM and I will give you the details about how to send us a recording. Um, Fantastic. Okay, so... Fiorentina's coming up. How are you feeling about Fiorentina? It's episode 17, which is bad luck. We're playing the club that has probably given us more pain than any other club in recent years. But we start the season very well. What's your sort of guts on this briefly, Michele? The Fiorentina game is going to be difficult, obviously. It's always difficult, but so was the Verona game. So Verona and Firenze are two... Uh, cities where we usually don't don't enjoy the results too much. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I mean I could I can say that because I was there for the 2019 Fiorentina Napoli. It didn't. I don't know. What it didn't happen. About. So yeah, so, so, I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah, other yeah. than that, you know, it's yeah, Fiorentina is quite difficult. I think it's the first real game of the season for us. Not saying yeah. that Verona was, you know like an easy win. I'm not going to say that Monza is an easy win, but obviously they were easier than what we're going to face in Firenze. Let's not forget that the Fiorentina fans are a very hostile crowd um, towards us, uh, which also means that obviously, as I said, the away tickets for this this game were heavily restricted. uh, But despite that, 1,200 away tickets for this game finished in about 30 minutes. That's amazing. And, you know, anyone listening who's got to go, you know, in Boca Alupo and, you know, absolute amazingness for going. Yeah, I feel pretty similar. I'm going to be interested to see how uh, Jovic, is that how you say his name? Jovic um, and Sotil, I think, has looked pretty dangerous this season so far. These are, these are dangerous players against the new defence. And, that's interesting what you're saying about Kim. Fingers crossed that that organisation and personality coming from Kim carries on into this game. 
But there is a game. There's an odd thing. There's a midweek friendly for our new signings against Juve Stabia. Um, are you are you going? Do you think, Michele? It's free tickets. So I have I have the ticket because it's it's included in my season ticket. So I could go. I could go. Uh, I think I will go. It depends on the, the weather, to be honest. Because it's, if it's raining, I mean, I go around by scooter. I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not going to drive my scooter Napoli. under the rain to see a glorified training session. I'll be honest with you. And I am very curious to go. And I, I, I really want to go because that's not something Napoli, Napoli does usually. Napoli doesn't have any... I think the last open training session we had was in the Ancelotti era before the boycott, yeah. if you remember that. So Napoli had uh, a, like two or three trainings, open training sessions at the San Paolo just to, it seemed to me, just to get fans to boo the players because that's what happened. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was something. It was quite fun. Timing's good though, isn't it? Timing's good. As you were saying, the, the, a good atmosphere in the stadium on Sunday, a lot of new signings. Free tickets. We talked about trying to make the club a bit more connected to the city on this podcast before and our Twitter account at Shadow of Vesuvio. We, we've said a few things on there, like trying to have medicals in the city. I think this is a good a good step, actually. Which, which signing are you most excited about seeing play? For the new ones, I'm very, I'm very curious about Don Belé, to be yeah. honest, because he's supposed to be like everyone I speak about him says um, he's a very good player, but very lazy. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna keep an eye on him because I want to see if he actually puts in the effort to play for us and play well, and if he's actually as great as people tell him tell me he is. And it will be an interesting test against you know a tiny team in a friendly that's in inverted commas meaningless. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good shot. Okay, well maybe the we stadium can... and the stadium is full. Wow. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. It's a good idea. Anyway, it is. It is. I like it. But- yeah, nice one. So you know, we we have been critical of the club and things in the past, but also you got to give credit where credit's absolutely, due. Absolutely, absolutely, that is a good idea. So before we go away, because it's get on a bit now um, in Italian time, do you have a Neapolitan phrase of the week for us, Michele? So yeah, I had another one, but I'm gonna keep it because I read this phrase like this week's phrase so many times on social media and you know in the streets and the stadium. That that I thought, okay, I have to say it. I have to say it. this is gonna be the phrase of the week for for the next podcast. The phrase is so it applies to the transfer market basically, and it applies to the fact that Napoli has bought so many players in uh, such a short time, which is unprecedented for us. You know, usually it doesn't happen when we buy a player. It takes about like three to five years. For uh, for negotiations to 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 finish, and maybe and we have like a fifty fifty chance of actually signing the players. Who can forget the Ingler deal, which oh, and, lasted um, months and months and months? And he came in with a lion mask. Was that Ingler that had the lion yeah, mask? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. Ingler. He came in in lion mask, and he was actually uh, presented to the press on a cruise ship, <laughs> on an MSC, yeah, MSC cruise ship in the in Napoli Sport. So there was there was something, you know, like typical De Laurentiis. Uh, and he event, was terrible in that say. Man City game that we're going to be talking about on from end to eye this week. So anyway, okay, sorry. Right, come on. Neapolitan expression of the week. The Neapolitan expression of the week is 
e shoot pra- pazzo o padrone. I repeat the phrase is e shoot pazzo o padrone. So the meaning of this phrase is so in English it would be the owner, the owner, the boss has gone crazy. It's a, it's a phrase in a very common phrase in Napoli to say that like yeah, when the boss, the owner of something does something um, something unexpected, then then this phrase is used. So it applies perfectly to Napoli right now. And again, I've read this phrase this phrase so many times in so many articles and on social media. A lot of people are saying that because it's again it applies perfectly because De Laurentiis has always been let's say careful about signing new players and now we signed like three or four in one week. So yeah, yeah a shooter pazzo like... padrone. The owner has gone crazy. A shooter pazzo padrone. Sì. A shooter pazzo o padrone. Uh, and it applies to everything. It applies to whatever you want, you know. Politicians, your boss at the office, whatever. The, the, the dogs outside where I am currently in Sardinia. Having yeah, but they have to have a position of authority. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. They absolutely have. I mean, I literally I have to t- take a different exit because the neighbor's dogs <laughs> don't let me leave. Then, um, then, anyway. Then, yes. <laughs> uh, brilliant. I love it. Okay, cool. Right. Well, that was good. I enjoyed that. Any last thoughts for the listeners before we go our way, Michele? I am very much looking forward to uh, the Fiorentina game. I honestly don't know what to expect, but obviously right now, I think I'm told for everyone when I say that we have high expectations for this team, because obviously if, if, if Quara, Quaradona, I'm just going to say Quaradona. It's okay. If Quaradona keeps it, but... playing like he's been playing, and if Kim remains focused, like we've seen against Monza, and if Dombele, you know, there's a lot of ifs, obviously. If Dombele delivers, if Simeone is better than what we had in the past as a second striker, so he's better than Petagna and Mertens, then I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And to be honest, I would like to see Simeone like regularly play. Because I think Osimhen is good, but I think we need a different kind of player in a few games. And he needs I, to know that, that that spot, he has to earn it. He can't just exactly, turn it Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Okay. Even though I don't know how he's going to take it. Because I yeah. don't think he's the kind of player who takes benches too well. He's no. very, he's kind of like Insigne in that way. You know, he has a lot of passion, but he's also, uh, you know, like he needs to feel confident in himself. He needs to feel confidence around him. And yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully he delivers. He delivers because I, 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 I do think that Osimhen is the kind of player that if the team doesn't work, then he also doesn't work. He's not the it's kind a, of yeah, player yeah. who, you know what I mean? He's not the kind of player who basically solves the match for you, even though the team is not working. And Maybe as we've seen like, quite a lot of that this season, you know, in the, the, the opposite of that. I think that's been one of the refreshing things about the season. But things haven't necessarily always gone the team's way on the pitch but there hasn't been that throwing the arms in the air and getting frustrated and you know acting yeah. like you yeah, know, yeah yeah so yeah i think that's a, a really good last thought so yeah if people want to find uh, michele on twitter he's uh, at napoli tickets um i'm at henry bell calcio and this is uh this podcast is part of the Far From Vesuvius podcast network at Far From Vesuvius the other pods on the network are the napoli rant 
with Ralph and Raf. Thanks, Ralph, for doing our great graphic that you'll see on Twitter for this show. And our latest show is called From N to I, which is looking at Napoli. Short blasts of Napoli history, probably featuring moments when uh, Michele was stood in the stadium in a slightly more youthful way. And that's uh, hosted by me and Kirsten Schlutz. Please do check it out this week. It's a really fun one. Man City, Napoli, 2011. Our first game back in the Champions League. What a glorious, glorious moment that was. What a, what a fun game that was. I could talk so about that game for hours. I think Cavani's goal in that game is my in my top five of Three most celebrated. Yeah, of most celebrated goals in my life. That was amazing. Amazing, amazing. assist from Christian Maggio's superbike. Anyway, we've got to go. Um, thank you so much, everybody. And I think fun is the big word. Hashtag young and fun. Uh, that's what this team is. Let's let's keep let's keep it going. Um, all right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Forza Napoli. <laughs> Yeah.